0: This is Talking Mule Deer with your hosts Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talking Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, mule deer and black-tailed deer biology and management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking mule deer.
1: Hey, this is Talking Mule Deer. I'm Jody Stemmler. and I'm Steve Belinda. And today we have with us someone I've looked up to for a long time. It's Becky Humphreys, president and CEO of National Wild Turkey Federation. Becky, thank you for being here. Oh,
2: my pleasure. It's great to be here.
1: As a woman in the
0: industry, it's a, it's a real pr- pleasure to see someone like you um, rise to the level that you have at a state fish and wildlife agency and now at Turkey Federation. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in wildlife and I where sure you come
2: can. from? I sure can. Well, I'm a Michigander. Uh, was born Is that there. a real term, a Michigander? You, you bet it is. It is the official term for people <laughs> from Michigan. So,
1: Well, I'm our, familiar with the youpers. Which is the UPers, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I just yeah. didn't know. What and it- all the
2: people downstate are trolls below trolls? the bridge. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> below the bridge, got it. Okay. So um, no, I'm I'm from Michigan. Was raised there and uh, wound up after I got out of school. I'm a wildlife biologist by training. And Woo-hoo! after I got out of school and I went back and worked for uh, Fish and Wildlife Service actually oh, really? for a while, and then um, made the switch and went back to the state agency. I. It was a great fit for me, and I loved it. And I had a 32-year career there. Um, I worked as a field biologist for years and years, and loved challenge. And, and ultimately, that was my un- undoing. I wound up going into management. And, you know, <laughs> that's always I, the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So eventually, I wound up working my way up to director of the organization. Never, never desired that. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you. I had this dream that I was going to be a field biologist and work all over the country in really cool places, and I still have, but it was really a lot of fun, you know, eventually becoming the director of the agency, and actually, when I was there in that role, the governor eliminated two other departments, so I had... I had not only D and R, but I had the environmental of the last year, and I had history, arts, and libraries. Oh my goodness! Wow. So, so it very was, different. It portfolio. was it was an incredible mix, and it was really fun working on really cool, relevant challenges and how we could use natural resources to to move the economy forward, but also to be relevant in people's lives.
1: And in Michigan, natural resources is a big part of people's lives. Right? Oh, it's
2: huge huge michigan is a great big outdoor state people we have a huge land base we have about eight million acres almost nine million acres total between state and fed and public ownership wow and then we have commercial forest land that are corporate owned also so people just i mean it's the weekend warriors every weekend people are heading up north as they call it and up north north varies from the southern border all the way up to the upper reaches of on Lake Superior shoreline, depending on where you live, yeah, and migrate to so it's you know everything from winter sports and skiing and snowmobiling and hunting and ice fishing and all that to you know your hunting seasons, your fishing seasons all spring, summer, and fall long so it's it is an incredible yeah. state.
0: Now, what, did you uh, focus on an individual species? Were you, what was your role when you were back in the field? Uh, before? You oh, no, I was
2: a, you know, I was a field manager field over manager, right. over wildlife programs. So we had, we had public lands that we managed and then did the, the wildlife reviews for that. But as I moved up in the agency, I was, you know, as director over you know, parks and forestry and, right. you know, law enforcement and all the various aspects of it, oil and, and gas, and mineral high. development, all that. Yeah. So... It was interesting. It was fun. I bet.
1: So you left the state agency, and I think you went to Ducks for a little bit. I right? did.
2: I did. I um. It was interesting. Then the incoming governor was asked me to come on and stay on in the cabinet and stay in that role, but I really decided it was time for me to probably move on. Mm-hmm. I knew he was uh, Governor Snyder was going to divide the agency back up. I had spent an entire year combining DNR and DEQ. You know, what do you do to? You can't turn around and say to employees, never mind, this has just been a dream. Um, So I wound up going into nonprofit at DU and loved it. You know, i got to say, Dale Hall had been a good friend. We'd worked on wolf issues. I'd known him for a long time. And um, when Dale knew I was considering it, he planted a pretty pretty big seed in in my brain, in my psyche, to think about going to Ducks Unlimited. Tremendous people, tremendous mission. And I worked for them for three years.
0: And that w- out of there, would that be their Midwest regional office or yeah, something? Yeah, it was like actually
2: that? it was what they called the Great Lakes region. It was yep. 21 states, so okay. so it was almost half the country, not geographically, but a number of states. And um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and and to be honest with you, I could have easily stayed there and enjoyed my time, but turkeys came to me, and i have always been an avid turkey hunter. But I really love the mission of the National Wild Turkey Federation, they were an organization that not only restored the wild turkey, but they were all about hunting heritage. And getting, you know, they saw the connection of people as part of conservation. And that has always been my philosophy. It was as an agency director also that people are part of that solution out there. They have to be, absolutely. That's right.
0: So when would that have been that you made the switch over to National
2: Wild Turkey Federation? Oh, let's see. It would have been about seven years ago now. Okay,
1: wow. So... Becky, I spent 16 years as a federal biologist, and when I left to the non-profit world, I found out there was a lot to learn coming off being a bureaucrat, looking at things through a very agency-oriented lens, to looking at it through an advocacy or, a, you know, the other side. Is there anything in that jump that you made that really surprised you?
2: Well, no, I mean, to some degree. You know, I managed, when I was director in Michigan, we were going through an economic downturn, and when the auto industry doesn't do well in Michigan the economy tanks i mean we are a that's a one trick pony unfortunately and so as a result of that we had really been wait looking and and moving to non taxpayer support so during my tenure we lost all of our general fund support for our state park system wow. which was large and quite frankly it was big land bases that were set up with camping as part of it but we wound up thinking about ways that you could creatively lower the cost, make it more accessible to people, and get better funding to support it. So we had already been doing a lot of that. We managed our state forest system in Michigan off timber sale proceeds. So the only general fund we got was for fire suppression. And so we are already looking at ways that you could creatively help move it forward to have not a user pay model, but more importantly, a model that was self-sustaining, that people valued, and that was really performing a service for the, for the state. And so making that jump was probably a little easier for me, having come off that job. If I hadn't had those financial challenges, I probably wouldn't have been nearly as good coming in the nonprofit world.
1: What I learned is oftentimes your nonprofit partners are your biggest advocates and allies. They are. And unfortunately, we don't see that sometimes because there are things we do and we all disagree on how we do them, where we focus. But really, you know, when you think about conservation and what we have to be doing, you know, it's often said we all ought to be pulling in the same direction on the same rope. And that really, to me, really became apparent when I jumped to the nonprofit world. And um, having been out now for about as long as I was in as a fed, it, it really is more important today given the things you said, the user pay model being challenged because declining numbers, uh, more and more, uh, let's just say harder ways to get funding to do what we need to do in conservation. Yeah,
2: well, you know, there's been a huge change during my career between government-funded conservation to private-funded conservation, and that relationship between the nonprofits and government has built over time. We in NWTF try and be the best partner of our state and federal agencies to help them really do great active management and keep people engaged in outdoor recreation. And so it's, you know, it's about figuring out what agencies either cannot do or or don't do well and helping fill those gaps to really do it well for all of us.
0: Absolutely. So that. Um you guys have a, an initiative called Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt, and it's kind of a two-pronged. And I'd like to, talking about the active forest management. Um, the one side is Save the Habitat, That's right. and the other is Save the Hunt, which is your R3 effort. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll save, the, save the hunt part to it. But talking about active forest management, active habitat management,
2: what does that mean?
0: Tell us how and groups like Mule Deer Foundation and Turkey Federation are working on that.
2: Well, you know, we've we've unfortunately taken fire off the landscape. And I mean that, unfortunately, with this all the wildfires we've seen. Some people might not think that fire is a good thing. But a lot of these habitats are fire-driven habitats. Sometimes the species need fire in order to open up the cones and revegetate that area. Sometimes it, it just needs to clear away the fuel load and the debris that was there. And so as we've taken, as Smokey the Bear has become the mantra of saving the forest, we've taken those small, cooler fires that we're routinely moving through forests, moving that woody fuel debris into organics, into the soil, and now we're saving all that fuel load, and we're having these huge, huge, devastating fires fires that, that not only do they burn the trees and the debris, but they wind up, you know, they crown and they kill off trees, so then you have standing dead timber that can be hazardous, and you've got to go in there and remove it, or people really, you know, on a good windy day a few years off after a burn, is not a place where you want to be. No. And so as a result of that, we, um, you know, we can replicate some of the impacts of what had been those fire-driven habitats through harvesting, through selective harvesting, through mulching, through going in and doing scarification on the land, and that just means you know, grinding up some of that debris and scarifying the land, the soil a little bit so that you can get some revegetation in there. So it's about going in and manipulating through treatment some of, to replicate what had been once Mother Nature's way of dealing with that.
0: Leaving it alone doesn't work. Leaving it
2: alone does not work. And, you know, the, the, People don't realize this, but one of the places in this country on landscapes that we are so in need of is really young forests. There are a number of species, and they're not just game species. You know, golden-winged warblers are one of them. There's a whole range of species that are so dependent on young forests, and we don't have as many of them today as we used to. Right.
0: So, so yes, golden wing warblers. Before our our hunters in there, it's also rough grouse. You got it, and it's woodcock, um, and there's a number of other species White-tailed as well. White tailed deer, white tailed deer. White-tailed appreciate that
2: edge. Yep. That's a lot of right. folks don't yep.
1: know there's elk in Michigan. You know,
2: so. that's right. And the other part of it that people don't realize is when we we start talking about carbon and the rest of it, those young forests, they are they tie up a tremendous amount of carbon, and so as we start talking about dealing with the effects of climate and the rest of it. Those are really, really important to get those carbon sinks on the landscape and to tie up that carbon. And with proper management, we can grow it up, use it for mass timber building, use it in our structures. And we're saving that carbon. We're not releasing it into the atmosphere.
1: Well, that, So we at the Mule Deer Foundation, and I know you guys do this, we work in the stewardship program with the U.S. Forest Service and the BLM. Um, I know you guys have done a lot of work in that. You've just rolled out a new initiative in Colorado for the Rocky Mountain region. Tell us a little bit about how, what turkeys, where they're working, what this new initiative is.
2: Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you, first, it grew out of some conversations that the Chief of the Forest Service and I had. Um, Which happens
0: to be another woman. It does. <laughs> and Vicky, another wonderful Vicky, woman, Vicky yes. Vicki
2: Christensen is a great um, Chief of the Forest Service, and Vicky and I had some conversations about as hard as we are working and as hard as they are working and, you know, we were their first partner on stewardship. We're usually one of the top ten timber buyers in the nation. We were just fourth just a few years ago. Wow, that's I mean, we don't own a mill. We don't own we don't do any wood products. We are just doing that through stewardship contracting. So, when you think about that scale and then what they're doing we're not To be honest with you, we are not moving the needle nearly fast enough or hard enough to make a difference on some of these landscapes that are so overgrown. So we sat down together and said, okay, what are we going to do? We've got to scale up our work and do a much larger scale if we're going to really move the needle and be successful. And so out of that, we decided to start a pilot project. The Rocky Mountain Initiative is one of those where we're pulling partners together to try and work at a much broader scale to get this intensive work done.
0: Okay, so, so that's the Rocky Mountain Restoration Initiative, which actually I'm participating on in the state of Colorado. And the, the vision of that was to bring together a bunch of partners of uh, traditional wildlife organizations, uh, water uh, or That's you know, right. so, so the water providers, um, a number of local communities, the DNR in the state. There's That's a there's right. a sta- shared stewardship agreement with the the Colorado Department of Natural Resources, and and that partnership evaluated where there were the the highest risks or the areas where a wildfire and wildlife habitat and all of the different uses water uh, interests. That's right. And came up with a series of focal areas, and then we proceeded through a process of evaluating some. Uh, some project ideas, some concepts. And the c- idea was to pick one that would become a showcase, and that decision was made recently. It was. Um, and it was chosen that the southwest region of Colorado around uh, Durango in that area.
1: It's on the San Juan, right? It's on the San Juan, uh-huh.
0: and that happens to be one of the state's most important migration corridors for mule deer in that area on the eastern part of that as well. So it's a, it's a priority area for us as well. So it's kind of neat that, that all of these players are coming together from – turkeys and mule deer foundation and and the state and and others to start to target resources to one area to see if you can move the needle
2: well and it was by design i challenged vicky to do a lot more in the landscape and become more active in management she challenged me to bring a lot more partners to the table and so it's really going to take all of us working at landscape level to move the needle
0: absolutely and the 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 forest the the national forest down there is is very excited about this opportunity and and i think they're they're going to be hitting the ground running here in 2020 um and it's just going to expand over the next five years i think it's something like five uh, million a year it was a 50 million total i think or something like that 50 million over the course of several years to try to dedicate and that's partnership of different groups working together. But That's it'll be right. interesting to watch how that comes together and how those partnerships and collaboratives can function on stewardship.
2: Well and it's come together a lot during this first year. So it's you know, it's not one of those things that we're talking about and spending decades planning. It's you know, the rubber is meeting the road right now. Yeah, so it's, it's running quick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what I like about it is it, it dovetails nicely with a lot of other things we're doing in the Rocky Mountains right now. Migration initiative, um some of the funding that we're getting through the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, some of the funding we're seeing from the agencies for Secretary Order 3362, you can start to prioritize the landscapes. That's right. And one of the things I often say is if you don't prioritize something, nothing's a priority because we never will have enough resources to work on everything. So we have to prioritize those areas that we can have the biggest conservation impact. And random acts of conservation don't work.
2: They don't. <laughs> they don't. And they, they don't. do
0: they make you feel good in that spot, but in the big picture, they're not well, really making We moving all
2: love having having projects in our backyard. But the key is, if we really want to move the needle on these big landscapes, in the headwaters of some of our most important water sources in the country, on these really important forests, we got to be landscape level. And we can pull in people like you've mentioned. Plus, like the Gates Foundation is involved in this from our standpoint. I mean, it's just been... Remarkable, the kind of partners you can pull in, and how you can leverage funding.
0: Yep, and it is. It's so it's wildlife, it's water, it's recreation, it's the forest resources. There's all, a, a number of different factors that are being brought in, and all of those players in the community in Colorado have been involved and engaged in the process. So it's it's neat to see. It's going to be exciting to watch that uh, it is. roll out over the next. I think we're going to be going to Durango a little bit later in the spring to to see. Oh Uh, what a shame. It's just (laughs) such
2: a beautiful area. Yeah. Leave your fly rod at home. Yeah, yeah. You (laughs) wouldn't you you wouldn't want to spoil it by going out there and partaking. Yeah, well, you know,
1: one of your employees down in that part of the world is is someone that we know very well, Pat Dorsey. Yeah. You know, that was a great hire on your part. We were sad to see her leave C P. W, but we're really happy she landed with turkeys because We've already got that great relationship. We know what a quality hand she is. And plus, you get to go down into that part of the world and and see things in action and make a difference. You know, oftentimes um, we do things and we never see the output on. On restoration and stewardship, you're seeing an immediate benefit, even though the full benefits may not be known for a long time. You're actually seeing a force get thinned. You're seeing sunlight come back. You see that regrowth of vegetation at the ground floor wildlife back using it you know that's right hunters that's being right. successful hopefully reduced you know. fires yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: well and you know and people i think the public seeing it my oldest daughter they have property out in california and it was interesting they were you know living and dying waiting for the news reports on whether the fire was going to cross to cross the hill and come on their property and it was the National forest land, the federal forest land behind their place had been thinned mm. two years before that. That slowed down that fire and stopped it from destroying their property. And, you know, she she is one because of some physical disabilities. She hasn't hunted. She's an active uh, angler and she hikes. But she said to me, I get it now. Yeah. I get it.
0: That's, and, and that's the interesting part is this social buy-in that's going on. There's a, a lot more people who understand when you see a campfire that came down into paradise uh, in California and others of these big ones that are affecting communities, oh. devastating them, there's a lot more understanding that we do need to do something and that the doing something doesn't mean that that you're going to sit on your hands and wait when you know until the fire is actually there. You have to be proactive and, and hopefully in seeing... That a fire is getting slowed down. Uh, we've seen a couple of those in Colorado as well. There was one up in uh, Summit County mm-hmm. uh, a year or so ago where there had been treatments done. Um, and that is, there's a high beetle kill area there. A lot of uh, uh, standing dead, standing timber, dead t- t- timber, but they had worked on it. They've been proactively working in the communities and it definitely made an impact on, on the houses there that they were able to
2: save. So. Well, it's you know, it's just amazing. People we have enough technology and the and the profession has moved forward enough in professional management that we're not gonna see the, the lumber barren days where we are clear cutting short ashore. But I'll tell you those fires that have are so deadly. I mean all you gotta do is read, you know, the big the book The Big Burn and talk Absolutely. about the early forest service or lived in a community where you have to worry about getting out, you know, in, in a matter of minutes. Yeah.
0: Well, and forest products are, are a big deal to a lot of small communities, too. They Their are. Jobs. That's actually something they're talking about is trying to ensure that they've got enough young people who are going to be foresters or technicians in the field or helping on the cuts. Or log, or, or log, or truck, log truck drivers. drivers.
2: Yep. I mean, that, is, and, that and is part of rural economy. Those those fuel a rural economy.
0: We and look businesses. at that as
1: a local jobs program, yep. a local economy boost. Um, in some ways, we've been, I don't know, hamstrung by our own ecological knowledge on this you know we threw out watershed health and all the 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 na- the cycle of nature and that and we allowed someone that just didn't like cutting big beautiful trees to stop all of that in its tracks or and so getting back to you know a simple message that we can make things better for wildlife by being active we should be able to take that to this is all about watershed health it's not about turkey habitat or mule deer habitat no. this is about taking care of the land that's right And the turkeys and the mule deer will come, too. Exactly. You know, a a friend of mine says uh, oftentimes wildlife is a dividend of good stewardship. It's, you know, when you look at the farm bill programs and that, we often call them wildlife programs. But they're really healthy ecosystem programs.
2: That's right. Land stewardship. You know, one of the cool things I got to see when I was in Michigan, we have a series of photographs that are taken um, every 10 years at the same spot on state forest land and um they're so cool and so many people don't realize that a forest and, you know we've had people come and testify before the commission that we couldn't do a clear cut because we were going to cut down virgin timber forests but it wasn't even it wasn't even second growth timber it had been you know logged over enough times but they didn't realize that they had moved in there and they didn't realize the short rotation of some of those stands and so they think you're destroying the forest forever when, in fact, you know, we have places where the fires that burned across parts of Michigan burned all the topsoil off. And you don't get the same seed bank back in. And that's true with these western fires, yeah, too. I, we They're drove, destroying the yep, topsoil.
0: My family and I drove through uh, Deckers down to Woodland Park past the Hayman Fire, which yeah. is the biggest fire that was in Colorado history. It is still very obvious. And that was... Ten or twelve years ago,
1: something no, my, like that. My wife was on that fire in an engine, so it was yeah, longer it, than that. It, yeah. It's it's
0: been a while, and it's still barren. It burned so hot, and it is still burned all the organic material, yep, so all yep. you're
2: left with are minerals, low soil fertility yep, minerals.
0: They, I know they've planted in there and tried, but they're not regrowing well because there's just not a lot of fertility there, and so um, and and in the west, it's drier, and you're not your growth seasons are. I mean, it's a lot takes a lot longer to restore. So um, the other part of Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt Mm -hmm. is the recruitment, retention, and reactivation. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Um, I've interviewed you for several articles. Tell us a little bit about your efforts on recruiting new hunters. And I know you have a number of coordinators that you co-pay for in state agencies. We do.
2: We do. We have been involved. I personally have been involved in this effort for recruitment and retention. We helped form the Council to Advance Hunting and Shooting Sports. Uh, 11 years ago now and um, out of that was you know we needed to better understand what were the barriers but then we have to take an active role and help really rebuild the ranks of hunters out there and so we have partnered with a number of the state agencies to put our three coordinators, our three stands for recruitment, retention, reactivation and um, our job is to come in there and help those state agencies and and put on programs with the other nonprofits so that we can introduce people to the outdoors and get them point where they can eventually become mentors themselves yeah. and have a self-sustaining model out there of hunter recruitment and retention.
0: I love the story about Johanna in Ohio. Oh so this 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 is a young woman who is your now your R three coordinator that there. Is. but but tell a little bit about her because I've talked to you about her a number of times. Oh she is
2: she is a delightful individual, but she was a, a person that was going. she came from a single parent family. She was adopted. She is she's of Asian, Asian descent, but anyhow, she came from a background in a single parent family where her mother who raised her did not believe in guns. And so she had the opportunity to get involved in hunting and go out on her first hunt and be mentored. And now she has taken that to the point where she was a graduate student who studied these, these R3 efforts under Jordan Pusateri Burroughs at Michigan State. And then she um, came to work for us as an R3 coordinator and is in Ohio now and, and perpetuating it. She is delightful. She is um, wonderful. And she's, you know, she comes, she understands, She doesn't use all the buzzwords because she wasn't raised um a lot of times i find in conservation we talk we talk on twin speak almost you know (laughs) we are so close we use the same language and and connotations and we can complete each other's sentences but we've got to get to the point where we are more diverse we're more open and we're also talking to people in a in a language that they understand and um so she has been she's been Delightful.
1: That's great. But we need to see more of that. Absolutely. You know, I, I help with conservation leaders for tomorrow. And every time I go teach, I get inspired by the people that the agencies and organizations send because they're not just like us. No. And you learn so much about people coming up from different backgrounds, different cultures, different attitudes, and more importantly, different vocabulary.
2: Well, and it's intimidating when you, when you work in the natural resource field and you don't come from that background, too. Not only is it intimidating for people who don't come from that background, that that don't work in the field, but, you know, in our department, we start having field days to teach people how to go out and fish and camp and hunt and trap. You know, if unless somebody asks you to go do it, you know, you feel kind of silly when you are working amongst other professionals and you might... You might be a forester and be a great forester, but if you don't have, you don't know how to tie a fly, you don't know how to, how to gut a deer, it can be intimidating Absolutely. to ask.
1: Absolutely. Well, so rather than making it easier, we make it harder at times just we because do. of who we are.
2: We do. We do.
0: So you set some pretty lofty goals for the Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt.
1: Oh,
2: can we have, you, and we're, you, we're and kicking. you're kicking them. <laughs> oh, we are kicking them. We've exceeded. We we set a, a goal of four million acres of, of acres conserved, and we'll probably that's our last one to really achieve. We'll probably achieve it this year. Knock on wood. Um, if everything goes as as planned, we also wanted to create. Um, you know, and create a number of hunters, 1.5 million hunters. Wow. And we've already achieved that. And then, and we're still continuing forward just because we achieved it. We didn't stop. And then... And, uh, these, ha- are,
0: and these are con- creating hunters that are not just one-time hunters. You've got no, a way of tracking to know that right. these are petite people who are continuing to buy that's licenses right. and continuing to keep it getting out. That's
2: exactly right. And then open a half million acres to uh, to public hunting. And so... We've achieved that one. That was the first one that we achieved. Our goal was to do this in a 10-year time period. We've got uh, two more years left after this one. So we will.
0: You've already crushed your goals. And that's right. Got so two once again, so
1: turkeys are the dog that caught their tail. You know, I use that in analogy um, back to your predecessors. You know, their goal was to restore turkeys to every habitat that could support it. And they, yeah, they did that. They did it. And now they've moved on to the habitat, the R3, you know. So what's next? What are the big challenges for you and for Turkey Federation? I know that there are some states now that turkeys are on the decline.
2: Yeah, and that's important to us. I mean, we're, we're reinvesting in research along with the states um, to really better understand some of this, the changes that we're seeing. I'd like to say it's a simple fix out there, but quite clearly there's enough going on in the landscape we're probably seeing multiple things that are occurring. And it it varies, so we're investing in research to better figure out where we're seeing some of those turkey declines. Um, In some cases, the habitat might have declined to the point where we can no longer support that number of turkeys. But we don't know that, and we wanna be able to support robust, healthy populations where we can. So we're investing heavily in the turkeys, we're investing heavily in the habitat, we're investing heavily in creating that next generation of hunters. And we're investing in ourselves, too, because as a company, we've got to be out there and current and readily accessible. The marketplace has changed so much. Yeah, you know, I was amazed when I went to the nonprofit world. You asked what surprises there were. Probably the most surprising surprise I had was I had replaced a operating system in state government, and I went to Ducks Unlimited, and it was their operating system. <laughs> okay, so they replaced it. I came to Turkey's.
0: Same operating same system. Same
2: operating system. So we are now replacing it. I replaced it in state government 19 <laughs> years ago. Oh, goodness. You know, and, and so, you know, it's it has always been the mantra of nonprofits to invest every dollar into whatever their mission is. But we've got to, we've got to be more efficient, more effective, and we've got to use modern technology to do it. And we've got to resonate with a broader audience. So it's not just the, the traditional members, but we look more like society in America and that we pull those people in.
0: Excellent. Well, we really appreciate the time you've given to us. We really appreciate working with you. You guys, Turkey Federation, Mule Deer Foundation, a number of the partners, have been great friends um, and, and accomplished an awful lot together. So well, we're likewise. honored to have you here thank and you. sitting My down, pleasure. And telling us about what you're up to. Thank you for the time.
1: Yeah, Becky. I, you know, I'll continue to look up for you. I thank you for your leadership. And as we move forward, you know, uh, let's keep keep on you know let's keep pushing we've the got way a lot of great are, work to so, do
2: yeah. and we're excited to do it
1: yeah outstanding well thank you so much becky thank you till next time this is jody stemler and i'm steve belinda and thank you for talking mule deer
2: thanks
0: for talking mule deer with steve belinda and jody stemler the mule deer foundation is the only conservation group in north america dedicated to restoring improving and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat mdf is a strong voice for hunters and access wildlife management and conservation policy issues To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talking Mule Deer.